0: I'm Sherry Greco-Rikus, co-founder of Rackaport-Rikus Capital Management. Welcome to the Maximize Your Return on Life podcast. As an investment advisor, I guide clients to reflect upon their core values as they make major life decisions. I will be interviewing real people with real stories who have embraced this approach to achieve success. I hope their stories will inspire you to maximize your return on life. Hello. Today, I am so excited to have one of my closest friends, Andrea Mution, as our guest on the podcast, Maximize Your Return on Life. I've known Andrea over 40 years. She's an amazing friend, amazing mother, amazing daughter, amazing professional, and I've had the advantage of her wisdom for these last many, many years. So I thought she would be great to be one of the first people on my podcast to share her wisdom with all of you. Andrea is a family law attorney at the law firm of Schiller, Ducanto and Flack. Today, we're going to talk about her journey from state's attorney to family law, what every woman should know about their finances, her mentors, work-life balance, advice for younger attorneys starting out their career, and much more. Now, a lot of people ask, where did we meet? Well, Andre and I met at the pool at Highland Park High School. We were penguins, also known as water ballet. And that's often a fun fact that we tell people that the two of us were water ballet. So I am ready to start talking to Andrea so she could share a little bit about herself. But the first thing, Andrea, I'd like you to talk about yourself and how you became interested in family law so we could start at that point.
1: Thank you, Sherry. I sort of went to law school as a default. I was an English major and wasn't sure what to do with myself. I started out as a prosecutor, which I actually loved until they put me in a criminal court and told me to get to work. I panicked and I started to look for a new profession, couldn't figure out what I wanted to do and thought about going to social work school. Someone introduced me on a networking meeting to one of the founding partners in my firm. And he said to me, why do you want to go to social work school? You have a law degree. And I said, well, I care about people and their problems and I can't find anything to do. And he said, well, why don't you become a divorce lawyer? I was flabbergasted. I didn't know anyone in the world who was divorced. My parents had a long-term marriage. My parents' friends were all married. And I said, oh, that sounds awful. He called me a couple of days later, offered me the job and it's been 30 years. I'm still a divorce lawyer and I really love what I do.
0: Wow. So from an English degree to social work, to divorce, see, the, the options are endless for people listening on this And so you've been in family law or divorce attorney a long time, and you have a fabulous reputation. And I just wanted to talk to you, what are some of the things you see when women come to you contemplating divorce?
1: What I notice most about women is they are not very educated on their own finances. And I think that would be obvious when it was a non-working woman. But what I found is even when I represent working women, they're great in their careers, but they're very sort of uneducated about how much money they have, how much they spend, what their budget is. And they're usually very, very scared of getting divorced. Now that isn't all the time, but that would be common trends that I see in the women who come to talk to me about getting divorced.
0: And why do you think that they're, are they just intimidated or Have they left it up to their spouse? Why do you think the reasons are? Well, I think
1: intimidated is one way to look at it, but I think honestly, they have delegated the finances to their spouse. So they're not aware of it. Oftentimes they've been controlled by their spouse and they don't really know how much they need to support themselves or sustain themselves or take care of their children And they're just very overwhelmed and intimidated. And I think in many circumstances, the idea of controlling their own lives and destinies financially has not been an option to them. And so they're very much in the dark.
0: Andrea and I, and Liz, one of uh, my partners at the firm did a webinar, it's on our website, rrcapital.com called Healthy Financial Relationships. And I see it often on my side of the business too, because 84% of women will be in charge of their money. And most of them don't have an interest or don't want to learn about it. So we went through a lot of things on that webinar. You're happy to go to it, but we do find, and you may agree, Andrea, that when we have couples, sometimes money is one of the big stressors in a relationship and really knowledge is power. So You know, are there some things that you wish these women would know when they come to you to give them a little more confidence if really the marriage isn't working out, that they'll be financially okay?
1: Yes, I don't know if it's that I wish they knew when they came to me, but after I meet with many women, I ask them, I sort of give them a homework assignment, and I tell them to gather information so that we can analyze what their family's income is, what their family's expenses are. I often ask to see some tax returns and I often ask to see if they have any you know, records of their investments or a sheet from an advisor laying out what they have, because I really do believe with what you said, Sherry, that knowledge is power. So they're not always coming to me knowing that they want to get divorced. But my goal is when they leave, they have a handle on what are the realistic options if they do get divorced so that they're not so intimidated by the process. So I wish women, of course, knew this coming in, but I often hope that they'll be willing to learn so that they can feel in control of their own situations.
0: And you and I have talked about this a lot. And you gave me one pointer, which I use in my businesses you know, the tax return is kind of the roadmap to the assets. So by being knowledgeable and make sure when you sign the return, you know what you're signing, but that return will give you kind of the roadmap of where all the investments are. So it's really, I've even heard you say, if someone is thinking about it, make sure they know where that tax return is or have a copy of it because that way you know where all the assets are.
1: I agree with you. And I would also say it's shocking to me, but I'll ask a woman for her tax return. She'll say she doesn't have it. And I'll ask her to call her accountant to get a copy. And she'll say, I don't even know his name. And I'll say, well, he or she represents you and your spouse equally. So they have to give it to you, ask your spouse, get the name. And they don't even know who their accountant is, let alone having kept a copy of the return.
0: Yeah, we've talked about that, you and I before. They should know all their advisors, you know, their estate planning attorney, their financial advisor, their accountant. And, you know, often when I meet with clients, one of the first questions I ask is, What is your spending? How much do you spend? And they always have a blank look. And I I love working with your clients because by the time they come to me, you have an entire spreadsheet of their spending. They probably learn more about their spending working with you than they ever learned before. So it's it's always a pleasure when I work with Andrea because she's so organized and they list all the spending. And also, it's often very intimidating to think about being on your own financially and, you know, working with Andrea, sometimes we do pre-divorce planning where we kind of run through sub-scenarios so that the clients feel more comfortable and sometimes they want to get every last dollar. And you don't need every last dollar to what I call maximize your return on life. So I know you've been great with that just to show them what they actually need instead of spending hours and hours trying to get every last dollar.
1: I would agree. And you're describing the reasonable clients and I wish they all were.
0: Well, it can't all be reasonable, but hopefully I if I know Andrea, she has made them from unreasonable to reasonable. So her clients just love working with her. So, you know, I have a few more questions because I don't even know if I've ever I think I might know the answer to the next one. But as a working woman and being in the professional arena, I've always been fortunate to have mentors. Who were some of your mentors?
1: I would say at a professional level, I had a partner who recently passed away and I was asked to address some of the younger members of our firm about why he was so great. And I got my thoughts together. His name was Arnie Stein. And why he was a mentor to me was that he just let me hang around him. And I hang around him and I went to court with him and I sat in his office and listened to his phone calls. And I feel like he just showed me how to be a good lawyer. And then when I started getting my own clients, I took the pieces of what I'd seen him do that resonated with me and I carried them forward. And it's not a job where you can teach someone but he showed me and i really have been very appreciative of that ever since and then i would say another mentor is my dad and i'll share you have a father that was very instrumental my father was not a divorce lawyer he was a successful lawyer but he always loved what he did and he loved going to work and i feel like that's something that resonated with me One of my children recently asked me if i was going to retire and when, and I said, I'm going to retire when I don't like what I do anymore. And I still love what I do. And I feel like that was something I learned from my dad, just growing up with someone who loved their profession.
0: We have that in common. My, my dad was my mentor and your dad was your mentor. And I have a fun story about your dad. Uh, when I was in high school, my family was in the banking business and you were getting a car and you called me and I had just started working at the bank. And I came to your house and your dad wanted to look over the loan papers for you. And I was so nervous. And I think you said the dealership, you know had given you a a slightly better rate. And you asked your dad and your dad said, Sherry's a friend. It's someone, you know, you do business with people you trust and we trust Sherry. And I I'll never forget that because it's not always the price. It's who you trust. And your dad even was a mentor to me on that end. And I remember that story. So I want to go back a little bit about irony as your mentor. You know, I think it's a little more difficult today because there's so many virtual jobs and working from home. And back in our day, we had the benefits, sometimes just listening through the walls, we learned something. So I would encourage some of the younger listeners, even if you are virtual and you have options of going in the office, try to go in when you can, because there's so much learning that takes place just being there. And I would really echo that. And especially what Andrea said. I would
1: agree with you, Sherry. I would also say, as someone who's trying to mentor young people, understanding that we're all virtual, I try to make every meeting a Zoom or a phone call, and I do very little teaching by way of giving in an assignment and an email because I feel like I want to be present for the younger people because otherwise they are not going to learn. And I do feel it's very, very important to keep the in-person connections in whatever way you can do so.
0: I've been firsthand seeing Andrea mentor some of the lawyers at her firm, and she doesn't just mentor them on the law. I see her mentor them on how to network, how to get involved in organizations. In fact, one of the women she just mentored had a very key role at a big fundraiser we had recently, and Audrey was the one that got her involved. So not only is she doing it at a professional level, she's helping them in all aspects of their life. And and I think that's really a true mentor, and I've seen her do that firsthand. So... Okay, so we talk about this a lot, too, Andrea, you've just grown a successful practice. And, you know, we often spend our winter vacations together. We're in Florida, and we always talk about starting the new year. And we always say, boy, I wonder if the phone's going to ring again with new clients. And every time we talk, your phone rings, my phone rings. So what do you think the secret is? How, How come your phone keeps ringing for new clients? What advice can we give some of the people listening here?
1: I think the most important thing when you're in a client business is to really and truly care about your clients. And I keep in touch with mine. And I don't remember every event in their life, but I go out to lunch once a year and I I really care about them. And I feel like it makes a difference. So when someone asks them, what are you looking for in a lawyer? They'll say, well, I love Andrea; She actually cared about me. And I've worked with a lot of people in my business who Treat it as just a business deal and they don't care. So I think that's the little bit of extra special. And I also think because I try to achieve a lot of balance and I do a lot of things in my life, I'm pretty interesting and interested in them. And that makes a difference because I really do believe that most people have the skills to do the work. But what distinguishes you is the extras that you give somebody. And I really try hard to get to know my clients and care about them. And hopefully, no matter how
0: much networking I do, I
1: think those clients is really the best referral and the best way to get your name out there.
0: I definitely agree. And they they don't teach you how to care at MBA school or law school. That's something that you either do or you don't. And that's something I've seen. And I've had clients of Andrea's now over 10 years and I'll meet with them and they'll always, always say, How's Andrea doing? How's her kids? They don't know Andrea just as her lawyer. They know more about her and they always say, make sure you say hello to her. So I know that they they just, you know, you're spending a lot of time and it's a very emotional time for these people. You know, I think you are getting some of that social work that you were thinking of doing initially as part of your job. The other thing that I've always admired, and, and you've always been my mentor on this, and we've talked so many times about work life balance and and I sometimes think there is no such thing sometimes work is calling sometimes family's calling but you know what are some insights you can give to people starting the career starting families with work life balance
1: for me i do think before you can have work life balance you have to pay your dues you have to work really hard you have to put in the time you have to put in the hours so you are as excellent as you could be at your field. And then when you're at a place where it's time where you may achieve work-life balance, for me personally, I think I'm really good at multitasking.
0: Oh, no one is better. No one is better.
1: (laughs) And if I wasn't, I don't think I could have it because I don't have the kind of career where I can just turn it off for a big block of time. But when I was a younger lawyer and I was trying to achieve work-life balance, you know, people didn't know that I was returning the call from my car, but I returned their calls and I was there for them. But I also was able to drive a carpool occasionally and participate in a sporting event. And I do think that it takes a lot of dedication to multitasking, but I think that in the end of the day, it pays off if what you want is not only to be good at your job or only to be good at your life. I think to combine the two, You have to be able to juggle a lot of balls at
0: once. And I know, you know, you're, friends sometimes become your clients, your clients become your friends. So it is kind of intertwined. But uh, even as late as I think it was February of this year, Audrey and I were taking a walk to the beach and she had to get some wire transfer out and I popped into a store and she's on the phone talking about the the wire transfers and the wire transfer came in and then she just went back and we walked to the beach. So it's just kind of combining life and work. And I, I think something that you said early on is you just love what you do. So it doesn't seem like a grind. We've talked about this too. Sometimes you go on vacation and you try so hard. I'm not going to call into work. I'm not going to see what's going on. But sometimes I'm more relaxed, just checking in, getting a few things done. Both of us discuss this, but I think you have really good people that can help you out. It's not all you. And, and you've mentored these people and they do it the way that you want things done. So I think that that, that also helps.
1: And one thing I would just clarify that I thought of when you were talking, Sherry, is it's not only loving what you do, because many days jobs are hard and you don't love them, but if you love the end result, which is what, how I feel, helping people through a difficult time and making sure they're financially set and they can go forward with their life, the end result is what I love. And then I have to deal with each day being sometimes stressful and sometimes not, but I think it starts with feeling proud of what you do.
0: And I think that's how you look at every client, because when we work together, you're always making sure they're going to be okay financially. And sometimes there has to be some tough decisions because maybe they can't afford the home they were living on, but the independence outweighs that and they're willing to live in a condo or or something else. So, um, you know, and I also think through the years you and I are good delegators. So You know, it's our birthday parties for the kids were always great, but if I didn't pick everything up myself, that was okay. You just, sometimes my advice is you can't be a total perfectionist. If you want to be a perfectionist, it's very hard for the work-life balance and you just can't be so hard on yourself if one time you have to work more or one time your family needs you. So, um, so Andrea, I've again, been privy to your advice. What advice would you give to some younger attorneys that are starting out their career?
1: For the younger attorneys, I really want them to focus on learning the field and the area that they're in and getting as versed and competent in it as they can. I once led a mentor group here, and they asked me to teach these young kids how to write a divorce agreement. And I started the session, and I told them that if someone ever gave them that assignment, they should say they can't do it. They're not qualified. And they all laughed. But the truth was, I felt like, why would I teach young people how to, how to do something they don't understand yet? And I feel like what you do when you're young in your profession is learn it, learn it slowly, learn it as well as you can. So as you grow up, you can handle things in your own way competently, and you can feel very confident in your ability to help others. So I would tell the young people, that's when you put in the hard work and the time and learn your profession, and it will pay off a million ways, whatever way you choose. But I also think the most important is that young people pick something they enjoy doing because you spend a lot of time in it, and it's really not great for the people who aren't happy with what they
0: do. You know, you were younger when you made a career change, but sometimes you know, you need to kind of look at your life and look at your career and reevaluate things. And you and I have both been out of professions a long time, but that's not the norm. And I think, again, you know, I like what you said. We love the end result. There could be things in the interim that, that get us riled up, but that's what my husband says. And I think you're probably like this. It's my strength and my weakness. I get overly involved, but it, it does rile me up sometimes, but the end result is always there. So, you know, Andrew, we've talked about how you started your career, your career. You're also so involved in the community. So I call this, you know, how do you maximize your return on life? What are some of the organizations you're involved in and some of the things that you do when you're not working?
1: So I would say what I've learned, and it's hard to distinguish between working and not, but I like to get involved in things that I enjoy. So in the nonprofit world, I'm very involved in the Jewish community and particularly focused on women because I care about that. And I've met interesting people and I feel that it's enhanced my life. In the professional world, it's interesting. I've been involved in two different professional networking groups and I've grown to have a leadership role in both because I love being around like-minded professionals who care about their career. So I would say I balance it between professional networking on a volunteer basis and getting involved in the Jewish community. Those are the two things I care about the most. Although I feel like when I slow down I would like to get more involved, like in some grassroots type organization, but I'm not there yet.
0: Great. And when you talk about some of these professional groups, are they lawyers or are they different professionals that you can learn from?
1: Both of the groups I've been involved with are not just lawyers. And there are all sorts of professions. And what I found most gratifying is when my clients need something, I always know someone personally to send them to that I trust, that I think is someone who can really help them. And I feel like it's been a huge benefit to me as a professional to have a network of trusted people that I think are also excellent at what they do. You and I were lucky that we knew each other personally we're able to refer to each other but I get a lot of oddball requests and I feel like because of my involvement outside of work I always can find someone great for my clients
0: yeah and Andrea is always the go-to whenever I need something I email her but and don't bombard her with these emails but if you need a great restaurant Andrea is always in the know. And we we have a group of our high school friends. We go out, you know, every six weeks or so. And I always get excited because it's always some new restaurant. So you can call her if you need some family law matters and, and maybe sneak in a restaurant recommendation because she'll be great with that. But you know, if I were to give some advice, you know, I'm very fortunate that you know, having the friendship with Andrea, having another working woman in my life that we, you know, there's so many times at 1145, i just pick up the call and say, Andrea, can you meet for lunch? I need to go over something. And it might've been something with one of my kids or something professionally. And just having someone that, that understands it, who's in the same situation with trying to balance work and professionalism and our other profession is really great. And I hope that everyone out there does have that person that you can call. Andrea is mine. I, I hope I'm one of hers, but um, that you can call when you need some things. And really the basis of this podcast is to help our listeners maximize the return on life. I hope some of the insights that we talked about today will help you. If you'd like to learn more holistically how to maximize your return on life, you can go to our website, Rappaport Rikus Capital Management, rrcapital.com. I also uh, have my own website, SherryGrecoRicus.com, and I'll be putting it in the notes uh, how to reach Andrea, but how can they reach you, Andrea?
1: Well, I always say before COVID, send me an email, but since COVID, an email or a text works, and Sherry can put my information up for you, but I am happy to talk to anyone going through a difficult time in their life and see if I can help them or get in the hands of someone
0: And Andrea works at Schiller Ducanto. She's a partner there and always listed as one of the top uh, family law. But I will end with just a funny story. Going back, I think it was years and years ago, uh, when I bought my first house, I got uh, the title. And it had been one of Ducanto, her partner had owned the house years before. So I figured if it was good enough for him, it was good enough for me. So I that that's kind of the relationship uh, that was funny with the house. So, Andrea, thank you so much for being on this podcast, for being one of the first. And I no, we will have many, many, many more discussions. In fact, I think we even have dinner this Thursday night together. So thanks a lot. Thank you, Sherry. I
1: was honored. I always love talking to you and I look forward to seeing your podcast grow.
0: Thanks. Thanks, Andrea.